Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, a movie podcast that takes you inside the walls of an art house cinema. My name is Nick Aldrink. I am the digital media specialist at the Michigan Theater. I am sitting here in the Ann Arbor District Library, the downtown branch, with three guests. Tell us who you are and what you do for the theater. Hey, I am Sarah Erlewine, and I am the marketing manager for the Michigan Theater. I'm Taylor Pendleton, and I am the marketing assistant for the Michigan Theater. And I'm Ariel Wan. I'm the marketing and programming director at the Michigan Theater. We all work for the Michigan Theater. <laughs> and specifically in the marketing, in marketing department. department. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are, this is our first podcast back from Cinetopia. We are not going to talk about it. We've done enough talking about the Cinetopia Festival. Agreed. <laughs> so we're just going to get right into our regular programming. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor opened yesterday at the State Theater. So let's talk about that. Yes. Right? Absolutely. I know Taylor, he hasn't seen it. I have not seen it, but I grew up on Mr. Rogers. I think we all grew up on Mr. Rogers. So let's talk about that. Uh, So, Mr. Rogers, Rogers, where do we start? (laughs) When did you start watching Mr. Rogers or where? You know what? I don't actually have any memory of watching Mr. Rogers. What I mostly have is memory of my mom telling me about how it was my favorite show when I was a toddler. Mm -hmm. By the time I really have memories of watching TV, I I think I was getting what I felt was a little old for him. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's something that I... I regained an appreciation for as an adult looking mm-hmm. back on it. Right. But I know that I remember, yeah, my mom said all of the time that that, that was the show. And, and watching this movie, I could see how formative it was for me. Right. And I think that Mr. Rogers was off the air. The, he wasn't making new episodes when I was watching it. So I find it funny to thinking back. The episodes that we're watching were all reruns and probably jumping around times and decades. Oh, sure. And that never, that never, I never responded to anything like that. It was always just the same Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't really know if I was watching it live. Like, I don't know when he went off the air, um, but I was watching it probably in middle school because my parents only had the TV where there were only 13 buttons and 13 mm-hmm. was PBS. And um, I remember the Mr. Rogers, I'd watch it every day during the summer because there was, I was off from school. So it was like, Barney, Mr. Rogers, Reading Rainbow. Like there was the whole like right. two hour span of it. And um, I remember I liked Mr. Rogers because he kept taking us to like how to make crayons, you right. know, all these like informational things. So I, I think even as a middle schooler, I think that was what was more interesting to me. And I kind of zoned out when he was in, you know, with the puppets. And I think I was a little bit too old for the puppets, but um watching the doc and seeing the conversations that he had with the puppets was incredible because it was just such uh, like serious conversations that, that I don't remember him talking about. Mm-hmm. I also had a similar experience with um, remembering it was on PBS and remembering like reading Rainbow. I think around my age, it was what was the show with the dragons? Dragon, Dragon Tales. Tales. Yeah. It was like this whole, like, okay, I'm at my grandparents' house. It's a summer. Like, okay, this yeah. is what we're watching. And I just remember it was just always, like, all me and my cousins and my brothers who were watching it. Just, like, the sense of calmness. Like, we all just, mm-hmm. like, tuned in. And, like, it wasn't the as animated show. Mm-hmm. It was more informative when we were all just, like, listening to Mr. <laughs> Rogers patiently. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so I just want to go back to what Ariel was saying about watching the documentary and the, listening to the conversations that he was having as the puppets. I didn't remember that either and was so blown away at how sophisticated those conversations right. were that he was having, that he was really willing to go in with kids and talk to them on a reasonable level about really serious, difficult mm-hmm. things. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not giving too much away about the movie. It is a documentary, so right. all of this stuff is public record. But mm-hmm. really, that within his first week, he's talking about the Vietnam War with kids yeah. right. through yeah. puppets. Like, that's amazing. And I, I don't think this gives away anything. I think this is known about what you're saying. It's public record and known about Mr. Rogers. But it was in the first week... Uh, the first week aired in 1968, uh, right after RFK was assassinated. Right. And that was something that they, that he tackled right off the bat. It was, um, I think he's a, a puppet is asking all these questions about air and breath, and all of a sudden he just drops in. What does it mean to assassinate? Mm-hmm. Oh, and right. then they had to go into this, like, well, assassination is blank. And then they just go off on just telling kids what assassination means. Right. It was so important because kids... We're watching the news, and I think about the um, 9-11 as a kid mm-hmm. and watching that and being really not understanding what's going on, knowing bad things are happening, and just being, yeah, just being confused. And Mr. Rogers came back on air to talk about 9-11 for that reason. Right. Because people think that it just goes out, one, goes in one year and out the other, but that's not true. Kids are very, they take in all this right. stuff and they're very impressionable and they have questions. Well, and I, I think another thing that stood out to me was at the time, kind of like what you guys were saying, there were limited channels. There was limited opportunities for kids to not be paying attention, mm-hmm. really. You know, today I think a lot of the kids that I know spend a lot of time on YouTube or on watching their shows on Netflix or something like that. So they're not necessarily watching the news the way that we probably did as kids when there were fewer options you turned on the tv and you watched what was there Mm -hmm. you didn't really get to go and hunt down Mm -hmm. something else that you liked better Mm -hmm. and you probably they probably kids were probably really inundated with these really scary subjects Mm -hmm. and he was there providing a guide through that really challenging time and I think for adults probably too, yeah. not just yeah. for kids. <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so one thing that I actually realized recently was, um, you know, every, every so often we do a Not Just For Kids show called Daniel Tiger. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that it was the same Daniel Tiger from Mr. Rogers. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then when I started reading about it, I was like, oh, it's the same characters. Mm-hmm. No wonder it's such a popular um, show and theater production, and um, Daniel Tiger is coming back to the Michigan Theater January 13. Right, we're yeah. huge fans of Daniel Tiger yes. at the Michigan Theater, <laughs> so I'm actually really excited to see what to, to, for me to see the live uh-huh. show. Right, and he sings the, the sort of the, the, the he at least sings the the song that Mr. Rogers always sang. I don't I don't remember what the song is called. The the good feeling song. Yep. Mm-hmm. he sings that at the end of all his episodes as yeah. well. It's just it's just cozy and nostal- mm-hmm. nostalgic. Oh nice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the no, legacy. I, that movie, the the Mr. Rogers documentary, I can't recommend it enough. Uh-huh. So yes. Ariel and I watched it at the Cleveland Film Festival this year, mm-hmm. and it was so packed we almost didn't get in. Right. And we sat in the very front row. Our necks were strained, and we sobbed probably half the time. <laughs> I <Yes>. think. <laughs> In, in a good way, not like a, oh, this is so depressing, uh-huh. but in a, 
And so the whole auditorium was crying. Right. Yeah. It was a really bonding experience. It's uh, There's a lot of press out for the film, and everyone's just saying, you know, why, why do people feel this way about this documentary? And it's because Mr. Rogers was basically everyone's hero. Mm-hmm. He's a different kind of hero that doesn't really exist that, you know, in today's time. I think that's exactly it. It doesn't yeah. really exist, and we're, we are surrounded so much by so much negativity, and he's just such a force of positivity and reassurance mm-hmm. and i think that we all kind of need that right, right. Now. i was listening to um an interview with uh, billy bob thornton on uh on mark Marin's podcast this morning and he was talking about growing up in the in the 60s in the time when he, they had like elvis and the beatles and rolling stones and marilyn monroe and all these heroes and all these these new icons that were emerging and uh, Billy Bob was saying that growing up as a musician in that time that he that he that everyone was just under the impression as like I'm never going to be that and that there's there's nothing that made you special and that's what it made me think of Mr. Rogers and that Mr. Rogers came in just the perfect time to make sure that to, to tell kids that you're special Mm-hmm. And I just it, it just everything kind of clicked for me of like why Mr. Rogers is the he, everyone's hero because mm-hmm. he made the, them feel good for there, who yeah, they were. There was, which is so important. There was no one on TV that was ever saying that. Everyone on TV, everything everything on TV was about was about it. It was about look at all these important people. I, like this is huge. This is huge. Everything is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But nothing was ever pointing to the audience saying you're important too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the other thing about him was that he was so authentic in mm-hmm. it. That there, like, And that's, like, I think, my favorite thing about the documentary. So often you see documentaries about public figures that might deal in darkness or problems or challenges. And really, with Mr. Rogers, with what you, what you saw was what you got. Yeah. Like, right. That's who he was. He wasn't putting on an act for kids. He wasn't being anything other than who he was, yeah. which I think kids really respond to right mm-hmm. my my initial fear going to the documentary was oh gosh please don't tell me he was actually <laughs> Secretly a not terrible the person. Yeah. yeah and it's like nope he was just a genuinely great person all of the time on and off the screen you're not going to walk out of this documentary being like eh, it kind of ruined it for me you're going to walk out of this documentary with an opinion 10 times greater than what you had walking walking in. Mm-hmm. And, and what helps, too, is not only is he a fantastic person, but the director of the film, Morgan Neville, is mm-hmm. somebody who we have had his films before, and they've always been excellent. He's yeah. a fantastic documentarian. We've had 20 Feet from Stardom as part of Cinetopias in the past. We've had mm-hmm. it have a run at the Michigan. It comes back every now and again. Mm-hmm. He did Best of Enemies, mm-hmm. which is another fantastic documentary th- that we played at Cinetopia. I know you said we wouldn't talk about Cinetopia, <laughs> but uh, th- and that was one of my favorites that we saw yeah. that year. So he's, I mean, he does a great job of crafting this story, which is already a great story. Right. So bring your tissues. Come and see, won't you be my Definitely neighbor? <laughs> yeah, and, like, like, and really bring your tissues <laughs> <laughs> because that that was uh, and some water, yeah. stay well hydrated. Because <laughs> that that was what's fun. That was, what was fun about seeing this this documentary with a big crowd was that just at random times it would just spark something in somebody mm-hmm. where they would yeah. just start crying. There's no like there's no huge dramatic beats right. in the film, but there's just I guess like trigger points where it's like right. that hit me. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Like, <laughs> didn't you say that, Ariel? That like a, there was one point where. I 
I started crying next to you and then like you were you noticed that but then a few minutes later it was your moment yeah. like it was just like we right. just kind of went in those waves yeah yeah so moving on from Mr. Rogers I just want to let's open it up a little bit let's talk about other things that make us happy what are your go-to genres when you just you have a Saturday afternoon to yourself and you just want to watch something comfortable that makes you happy um, mine is really weird. My genre is horror comedies. Yeah. Um, so the first one that probably comes to mind is Dale and Tucker versus Evil. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, you know, it has all of the horror tropes, but it was just, it was hilarious because yeah. they weren't in a horror movie, but yeah. the kids were in a horror movie. And they're just like, why are you screaming? Why? These yeah. kids are killing themselves. But the kids are like, we're being chased by hillbillies and they're going to murder us. And it's, the entire movie was just hilarious. And, you know, the one of the older ones that I saw that I liked was Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, no. Shaun of mm-hmm. Yeah. Older ones? God. Yeah, the, old, the older than no. Dale and Tucker. Shaun uh, of the Dead is excellent. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, horror comedy. Because I, I like horror movies. I recently realized that because of where I am in my life, being pregnant being married that sometimes horror movies aren't my thing anymore and I used to love horror movies um, but the thing that I can still always enjoy is a good horror comedy and going back to Dale and Tucker and the, the, that is also like the third act of that movie is like it gets pretty intense yes. and thrilling like it's not just a comedy like they, they knew how to how to craft that film into becoming an actual horror movie right yeah yeah so mine I just like watching just quiet documentaries. Me too. It's actually. <laughs> and it's and it just something that even I could I, I could be watching and just zone out for a second mm-hmm. and not get distracted by what's on TV and then come back to it like oh yeah this is what's happening, and it's also why I like that like the Great British Baking Show. Oh sure. Or, 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 or cooking documentaries just where you get just still shots of. Like flowers, just like <laughs> there's like just cutaways in it Great is, British so Baking Show that just like flowers and sunshine, and all of a sudden it rains, and you're like, let's look at the rain for a second. Just everyone calm down. <laughs> this is know. a Bob Ross episode, <laughs> right? no, and that's a like Bob Ross and his squirrels suddenly. <laughs> yeah, that was always my favorite part about Bob Ross. Suddenly, and here's while I'm painting this part, look at the squirrel I've been rehabbing. <laughs> Uh, mine, outside of quiet documentaries, yeah. would be classic Disney movies, mm-hmm. okay. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, so I came of age, so I was 11 when Little Mermaid came out. And that and Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, were yep. probably the end of my era. So mm-hmm. anything sort of Beauty and the Beast before. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite Disney is Robin Hood. Mm. And oh. that is the one that I will watch over and over and over. <laughs> I have seen Robin Hood so many times. Yeah. What is the the yeah? I, I can never. Whenever I get that um, the the theme like the, the yeah yeah, <laughs> I cannot get that out of my no. head. That's gonna be in my head for the rest Sorry. of the day. <laughs> That's funny. That the, the Robin Hood does not. I don't hear people say Robin Hood that mm-hmm. often. As not enough. Favorite. Not enough. <laughs> it <Yeah>. should be. <laughs> what year? What, 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 that um, was... So that was seventies. And I want to say, oh, I, should, I should look this up at some point. Yeah. I feel like it's like 72 to 75, mm-hmm. um, but I don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. Robin Hood is, again, it's a much more subdued it is. Disney than, mm-hmm. than, in, I mean, than I think at the time also, but just compared to Disney movies that are released today, 
Oh, absolutely, so. compared to today. Mm-hmm. And uh, musically, it's very interesting because it's Roger Miller. Mm-hmm. So it's very folksy. It's very acoustic. Um, it's like a traditional sort of balladeer telling a story, taking you through these tales mm-hmm. that is appropriate for the Robin Hood story. But uh, it is, and it's also a little bit more vignette There's yeah. not real. I mean, there's not really a through line of the plot other than we're going to try to take down Prince John and <laughs> yeah. try to marry Maid Marian. Mm-hmm. You know, basically that's it. And the adult humor as well. I, I can remember finally understanding what the 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 hiccuping meant as as the snake drank through oh. the, 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 the cask of ale. Right. <laughs> Seeing the, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's my classic go-to. That's when I don't feel good, I put on Robin Hood. Uh-huh. When I just want something to watch on a Saturday, I watch Robin mm-hmm. Hood. I really do. I love it. Yeah. What do you got, Taylor? Um, I'm... I'm going to switch to more TV gears, Um, but in general, just comedies, like dry humor. Um, I've been obsessed with Curb Your Enthusiasm for, (laughs) it seems like a year, like I just can't let go of it, and I just found out listening to a podcast that it's improv, like it's a lot, yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, oh, I I love it even more, because it just makes you appreciate like the humor. Mm-hmm. In, like, everyday situations, like, mm-hmm. just somebody taking too long, like, at the ice cream, pl- like, yeah. at Blank Slate. Like, it's <laughs> just, like, every time I go there or that type of ice cream place, I just think of the person, like, oh, I have another sample. Oh, another sample. And then <laughs> or, like, just, like a, at the coffee shop this morning. <laughs> yeah, like, that's enough. That's enough samples. Like. <laughs> and, and and don't get me wrong. I, I do love Kirby Enthusiasm. I know we, we both talked about Seinfeld as well. Yeah. But sometimes watching that show brings me anger yes. other, other, like it, it's not happiness all <laughs> no, the time. no. It's just, just, but I think that's kind of what people right? like yeah, about it right. but I think I think that's a pretty common reaction right right Larry David can definitely be too much like <laughs> it can be like okay now I need more of that Jerry like <laughs> Seinfeld comedy but Larry just makes you feel like wow you're really awful yeah. like if you watch too much too yeah in such a short span of time mm-hmm Okay, so before we wrap up, let's get into our movie magic moments of the week. And if you're new to the podcast, this is the the segment at the end where we can, one, recommend things that we've been watching that we want you to watch as well. But these are specifically something that we've seen on film and television recently that reminded us why we love movies. So let's get into it. Sarah, what do you got? So I'm going to... Give you two, actually, if oh, that's okay. Yeah, Is absolutely. that acceptable? Okay. Yeah. So the first one I kind of have to do since I talked about Disney movies and I saw Moana for the first time this week. Um, again, that was uh, that one is really beautiful <laughs> and feels more... You know, I, I reached a point where I kind of had gotten to a saturation point with Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one really kind of brought me back to how I used to feel about Disney movies mm-hmm. back when I was a kid. And it probably helped that I watched it with my seven-year-old nephew. And, you know, so I got to kind of experience it through him as well. But it's uh, there's a scene where the rock is singing. And it's fantastic <laughs> and gave me a great deal of joy. And so that was my ma- uh, movie magic moment number one. Okay. But then my other one is actually a, kind of a, a push for a movie we're going to be showing. Actually, actually, no, I'm sorry. That's opened already, hasn't it? American Animals? Yep. Mm-hmm. It opened Open yesterday. Yeah, open yesterday. Uh, so, American Animals, we played this one at Cinetopia. Sorry, Nick, I'm mentioning Cinetopia again. <laughs> and uh, this is a really fascinating, innovative movie. This is a 
documentary with a narrative film, or it's a narrative film with a do- with documentary yeah. elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a true story mm-hmm. about the weirdest crime <laughs> that I think that some college kids could come up with, mm-hmm. stealing some you know, priceless art books yeah. mm-hmm. uh, from a library. Mm-hmm. And the, I, the reason why this was a movie magic moment for me is that the way that these two parts of the story interplay with each other mm-hmm. is so innovative and interesting. There's actually a scene where the the characters interact with each other in that the one character, his real the real person interacts <laughs> with his fictional self. Yeah. And another time where the story is being told two separate ways and you see it both ways. Anyway, so just mm-hmm. from a storytelling standpoint and from a filmmaking standpoint of, of different ways that you can delve into a narrative. Uh, that was a movie magic moment for me. That was another, this is what I want to see movie makers mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Try things and stretch those boundaries a little bit. And again, I, I agree that the, the documentary and narrative blend is what I find most fascinating and interesting about this movie. But when I tell people it's also a documentary, I almost feel like I'm spoiling it's like it's a, it's a spoiler of some kind because yeah, and, I don't and know. The, and the marketing in the trailer doesn't mention the documentary aspect of it at all. It just looks like it's it's a crime thriller. That's right. true. But I mm-hmm. do think that that documentary aspect was was a really key part for yeah. me mm-hmm. of my enjoyment of the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still an, I mean it's an interesting crime, but I think had it been just a straightforward mm-hmm. thriller, I probably wouldn't have been as engaged. Right. right. It, it's like you know. I think like when I first heard about it, it was based on a true story and then when you start watching it and you realize oh that's the actual guy yeah. that mm-hmm. committed this crime that's talking about it all of a sudden and then you see it acted out it kind of reminded me a little bit of drunk history but everyone's yeah. sober yeah. <laughs> right everyone is sober and uh, and it can get pretty serious at times yes. but also it's very funny mm-hmm. uh, so so those were my two yeah American animals now playing at the state theater yes mm-hmm. you got something um, I recently watched uh, Borg versus McEnroe. We played it at the theater a, a little while ago, but we only had it for a week, so I missed it when I was playing here. And um, I finally uh, rented it because uh, a tennis uh, teammate told me that she saw it after I recommended it to okay. her, <laughs> and she said she loved it. So then I was like, oh, I should I should try to see this again. So I watched it, and it really accurately portrays how it feels to compete in tennis tournaments. Uh, specifically, um, this specific story was about Borg and McEnroe meeting at Wimbledon finals. And, you know, Borg's like the golden child. Everyone loves him. He's so calm and collected. And McEnroe is just this like loud mouth, cursing, angry guy all the time. They're just the complete opposites. And it's fitting that Borg's last name is Borg because they compare him to a robot. Oh, and he's just a machine. And, um, you know, and and you kind of learn through the story that when Borg was younger, he had a personality like McEnroe's. Mm. And then um, McEnroe um, has to deal with all these people hating him. Like everyone in Wimbledon like boos him because they just <laughs> hate him as a person. And he's just like, I, you know, I'm playing tennis. Like I'm putting everything out there and no one appreciates me and everything in the press is just about Borg. And mm-hmm. you get, you really like... It's a tennis movie, but you really get into the characters and just how they were able to blend that with actual, you know, like clips and montages of tennis attempts because, <laughs> you know, they're not actually playing. But um, it was just it was really cool. And then um, at the end in the credits, they show, you know, the real 
Borg and a real McEnroe and real pictures from their actual Wimbledon um, match. And you just see how close it was, you know, mm-hmm. how they portrayed it really accurately. And, uh, and you know, it tells you, like, later on, they become friends, you yeah. know. Initially, they were big rivals. So mm-hmm. that was I, – I really liked that film. And then McEnroe was played by Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Which was Perfect. the most genius casting. Oh, my God, right. absolutely. <laughs> no, as you're, li- you're describing McEnroe, I'm like, oh, now I know why I took that yeah. role. Like, right. <laughs> All they do is talk about my bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I know in the, the younger version of Borg in the film is Borg's real-life son. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a few, a few different level, level, levels of meta <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. That's really cool. Taylor. Um, once again, switching to TV. Mm-hmm. But um, I started this um, series on Netflix called Dark and um, it was described to me as German Stranger Things. Oh. And it, it literally is German yeah. Stranger Things. It takes place in like a little town um, in Germany. Um, and it's more, um, it's more like with time travel weirdness, but like still like a same type of like what's going on in that lab mm-hmm. and the strange things happening in this small city that, it's just I don't know. It's it's cool to see kind of a different take on it. Obviously, yeah. in a different country, and yeah. it's more of a modern time frame. And they go back to like the seventies and eighties, kind of like it's like reverse Stranger Things. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. I haven't finished it, but uh-huh. I'm recommending it so far. It's really good and shot really well. Okay. And it's called Dark. Yeah, it's just called oh, Dark. I'm going to have to watch this. I was going to say, yeah. I think you just sold me and Nick on this. Like, because Nick and I just looked at each other like, yes. yes. <laughs> and it's all subtitles, so Perfect. you really get to, like, pay attention it's and, like, make mm-hmm. sure you focus and, like, actually follow the plot instead of, like, oh, what's over there? Oh, now I'm watching this again. Okay. Oh, okay. Watch Dark on Netflix. I'm going to. All right. So my uh, movie magic moment, I watched uh, over the weekend. I was at my parents' house. And I watched Interstellar on TV. Whoa. When I first saw Interstellar, I didn't even really think that movie was all that great. So I would never just pick up Interstellar and watch it. But because it was on TV, because nothing else was on, let's watch Interstellar and maybe take a nap halfway through and come back at the end. But the weight of that movie is so impressive. And the the score by Hans Zimmer... I watched, I watched, or I listened to that going to sleep like two days ago. Just that movie, that soundtrack is so hypnotic. And maybe it was also, maybe watching on TV helped because, like I said, the weight is so massive of this film. And in film, in movies, in story, there's always, no matter where characters are, no matter what they're up to, there's always at least the possibility, theoretically, that they could just leave mm-hmm. and go somewhere else and go home. But in Interstellar, that is not even theoretically a possibility for these characters. They're off in another galaxy. They're traveling through time. They're traveling through space. Even if they wanted to, even there's just no possibility of them finding a wormhole and going home. And that that it almost gave me like an anxiety attack watching this movie again was just just trying to calculate the distance of where they are in comparison to where the, where the rest of the movie takes place. And the, the way that they when they go to different planets and filming, you know, like that, that's Earth. 
mm-hmm. they're filming on Earth. <laughs> but when you see these other planets and just like the, the, the vast water planet, you don't, you forget that. And I think that's something that, that is really impressive to pull off in a movie. So yeah, Interstellar. That was my movie magic moment. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for coming by. Thank, thank you, you Nick. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to the Ann Arbor District Library for letting us take up their studio for a bit. And I want to plug them real quick for their summer game, which is my favorite part of the summer every year. I was telling my coworkers here about it just before we came in, so everyone should play. So now you got to tell us what the summer game is. Oh, so it's basically it's kind of like a scavenger hunt, and you win badges. And it's both a physical scavenger hunt that you can go out to parks or places or locations mm-hmm. to go, or you can go to events that are happening at the library. You can go through the library's catalog and answer, answer some questions. It's mm-hmm. usually, um, so you just go to what, play.aadl.org. Anyway, I really do love it. This is not, they did not ask me to do this. No, no. And if that, if, if that link is not correct, I'll, I'll put it on Facebook to okay, make sure that, that people go to the right place. Uh, find us on Facebook, Michigan Theater on uh, Facebook and Twitter. That's where I'll be posting these episodes. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, share us your movie magic moments. I want to. We want to hear more from uh, from you out there listening to this. I want to hear your movie magic moments each week. I want to hear about what you're watching. Maybe we'll have like an email segment on this show or something. I just want to hear that people are listening to this podcast. <laughs> you should also, or if you have any questions about yeah. life at an art house movie theater, absolutely, you know, we can answer for you. Yeah, no, just uh, throw, uh, shoot us a message or post on our Facebook page at at Michigan Theater. Uh, and I'll, I'll read them there. I'm the one who runs the social media account, so I'll be the one to see them there. So we're going to be back in a couple of weeks. We're going to hopefully get these uh, bi-weekly once again, uh, since uh, now that Cinetopia is done and through. Uh, so be on the lookout in your feed, and thanks for joining us behind the marquee.